Welcome to a new episode of Talking with You, the podcast where the student's point of view matters. The show wants to provide the students an open and safe space to discuss the topics that we deal with as students, but also in a broader sense, the ones that concern us the most as young individuals and that we are passionate about. So my name is Felix. And my name is Daniele, and we will be your hosts for today. First of all, let me wish everyone a happy new year. And what a year 2024 is going to be. This year, half of the entire world population will head to the polls in 64 countries plus the European Union. Of course, not all of these elections will meet the standards of a liberal democracy, but in the overall pot of elections there will be some decisive ones. But what does that mean for the state of liberal democracy in the world, as well as in the EU? That is precisely what we want to discuss today. But before we dive into this crucial topic, as always, let me welcome our two guests of today. Marta Volpe, recent political science master graduate and research assistant at the Institute of European Studies. Hi Marta. Hi everyone, thanks for inviting me. And Javier Bardon, member of SAIS and master student in European Studies. Hi, Javier. Hello. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming today. And also from my side, a big welcome. We're very happy that you find the time to talk with us about this exciting, but also somehow worrisome topic, I would say. As previously mentioned, we are heading into a very decisive year of elections with unpredictable outcomes. And we are not talking about elections in small countries here, but elections in the 10 most populous nations in the world, such as the US or India, for instance, as well as the European Union, where the European Parliament elections will be held in June. Remember to vote, by the way. And we're looking at all these individual elections, we can find one common denominator, the attack on liberal democracy across the globe, by authoritarian forces getting more and more popular. So at the end of the year, the question could very well be, will liberal democracy and international liberal order prevail in the long run? What we have seen in the last years, particularly with the Russian invasion of Ukraine, but also with the Chinese open contestation of this liberal rule-based order, is a constant attack on the system in place since the end of the Second World War, by several autocratic regimes all over the globe. Now, with the rise of authoritarian forces within liberal democracies, our free society and order is not only under attack from the outside, but also from the very inside. I can't agree more, Daniele, but maybe also in the beginning it's important to first give our listeners a brief de definition of what we actually mean when we talk about liberal democracy. Basically, what we are talking about is a system that has a functioning rule of law in place, ensures the individual rights and liberties, there's a political pluralism, free and fair elections, a separation of power, a limited government, a freedom of the press and also the respect for minority rights. And as you mentioned also before, we have seen how fragile even the oldest democracies can be when we look at the first Trump administration and the storming of Capitol Hill on January 6th, but also in other EU countries, for instance, like we have seen now with the ended regime of the Peace Party in Poland, trying to abandon the checks and balances step by step, but also the Orban uh, government in Hungary. But we have also seen other authoritarian parties leading second or even first in the polls in different EU countries at the moment, such as in Germany, the Alternative für Deutschland or the Freedom Party in, in Austria. And the current projection so for the European Parliament election forecasts also a big win for the parties on the extreme right, but also in other parts of the world. When we look, for example, at Mexico, where there are elections going to be held this year and the ruling party is so sawing piece by piece at the pillars of liberal democracy. So maybe also to come to my first question, I'm just wondering what is so offensive about liberal democracy that all of those different political actors wanted to end? And do you think they are in the right? Maybe let's start with you, Marta. 
As you said, liberal democracy is based on the principle of political pluralism and distribution of power. Instead, illiberal leaders aim to establish a centralized power structure and an authoritarian form of government. They aim for a strong executive that overrules legislative organs, often giving the impression of a solid, coherent and linear leadership. So illiberal leaders somehow go against the concept of democracy intended as the representation of minority. So they somehow perceive democracy as the rule of the majority, uh, while for the liberal democratic doctrine, democracy entails the assurance of representation of minorities to ensure that they have a voice in the institutions and in society. Furthermore, illiberal leaders aim to establish a homogeneous society based on a strong ethno-national identity rooted in cultural, religious and historical heritage. And they refuse the idea of a multicultural and pluralistic society based on the principle of no discrimination as the one we have in the EU. And they promote instead uh, the preservation of traditional norms and values such as the traditional patriarchal family and oppose, for example, the expansion of uh, LGBTQ community rights. Indeed, Italy targeted same-sex parenting and uh, Hungary banned the promotion of uh, homosexuality in media and education for minors. Yeah, Marta, thank you so much. Fabi, I was thinking, what, what do you think about that? Well, you, what are the reasons that uh, liberal democracy is so offensive to those authoritarian uh, forces? I can't agree more with what Marta and all the arguments that she she brought. And to pick up with that, I would like to make a parallelism between uh, what Karl Marx once spoke of the specter of communism haunting Europe. And today, I think that we can argue that it's populism who is haunting Europe and all the liberal democracies in general. That being said, honestly, I don't believe there is anything inherently offensive about liberal democracy. Instead, I think that the rise of authoritarian parties is often a response to various social, economic or institutional issues. And that some populism and angry narratives based on an idealized past that actually never existed create political hopes on desperate citizens that most probably are not authoritarian. However, whether supporters are willingly or unwillingly authoritarian, the truth is that those parties are weakening the rule of the games that Felix mentioned. And here I would like to add a distinction between formal and informal rules. The second are the tacit rules that we have inherited from tradition and practice, such as not claiming that there has been electoral fraud only because you have lost, for example. Those are what Stefan Levitsky calls the guardrails of democracies. And I think that mainly we should be uh, alert of their weakening as there is no formal protection to them. Thanks for showing this up. I, I couldn't agree more. And also, I think it's it's really important to remind that uh, liberal democracy is not something which is institutional, set in stone, but also something we have to protect uh, as a person. And I also agree, I don't think there is anything offensive about it. As we said before, uh, two elections are particularly outstanding and crucial for us. Let's start with the European Parliament elections in June 2024. When looking at the current polling, we can expect a high surge of particularly right-wing populist and extremist parties. All of these parties, in the past as well as nowadays, ride on this very successful, I had to admit, unfortunately, anti-migration, xenophobic ticket that they use after gaining power to fundamentally alter the character of liberal democracies by abolishing judicial independence or concentrating power, sprawling corruption and limiting individual civil rights. And as we saw at the moment, we have a massive fundamental civil discontent of the general population in most EU member states. Where the question comes up, are we still talking about failures in migration policy? Or are we moving very much towards a profound questioning of the very functioning of the liberal democracy as a systemic contestation in the EU? What is happening here? And how can we confront that problem? 
Thank you for your question, Daniela. Such an, an interesting topic. Well, I think that the massive civil discontent in most EU member states stems from two primary causes, austerity policies and the reception of immigrants. Austerity policies have predominantly impacted social democracy and far-left parties, leading to what some call soft Eurosteptism. These parties critique specific policies without directly challenging liberal democracy or the EU. But going to the question, on the other hand, immigration appears to be the catalyst for a lasting populism that seems to be here to stay. Similar to corruption in Latin America, migration serves as the seed for a phenomenon that fosters narratives of direct confrontation not just against policies, but also against the entire system, against the polity of the EU. These links to the self-perception of voters who feel either a lack of alternation or an inability to identify with it, resulting in a sense of being a persistent minority or outsider. In practical terms, there is an anticipated surge in far-right parties, as mentioned by Daniele. Despite this, polls indicate that the Grand Coalition of EPP and SND is poised to maintain a solid majority with liberal support. If this is the case, it would avoid a cordon sanitaire, which personally I believe would benefit Eurosceptic discourses for two reasons. First, it would allow them to speak of a cartel elite. And secondly, when parties participate to a great or lesser extent in decision-making, they tend to political and discursive moderation. They become part of the system. And what's your take on this, Marta? Well, I don't think that European election will bring about a complete fall of the European liberal democratic system, as it's true that uh, liberal political forces has been present before. For sure, it is noticeable a shift towards extreme right, as illustrated by Meloni's government in Italy, uh, but it's also worth noting uh, a contrasting trend in Spain and Poland, for example. For example, Poland in the past seriously undermined the principle of judicial independence and the system of check and balances with political nominees as state monitoring bodies and judicial institutions and also the constitutional tribunal, for example. And the latest election in October 2023 uh, signify a major shift from democratic backsliding in Poland to a recommitment to European values and democratic principles. Concerning migration policy, I'd say that is a really highly politicized topic. Indeed, the liberal actors tend to represent migration as a source of all the problem of a country, as a threat to security, for example, and to national identity and culture. And uh, indeed, migration policy of some countries, such as Hungary, have been a source of concern for the rule of law in the European Union. Indeed, Hungary contravened European international law by refusing to apply the resettlement scheme for asylum seekers and enacting, for example, the Stop Soros law in 2018, which criminalized NGOs supporting illegal migration. On the other side, the European Union is uh, currently working on the approval of a new pact on migration and asylum, which enhances cooperation between the member states. Indeed, it establishes a mandatory cooperation system uh, for the reception of asylum seeker requests under the form of either relocation or financial compensation. And this alleviates the burden of European countries at the border, such as Italy and Greece and Spain. Yet, unfortunately, the policy of externalization of refugee reception through agreement with third countries, such as the one Italy has with Albania and such as the European agreement with Turkey, are irreproachable under international humanitarian law as they are similar to the principle of no refoulement which is prohibited. Well, I guess we can say that the situation we're in is indeed uh, serious and uh, worrisome to some extent. But on the other hand, it is also nice to see that there are nice and reassuring, somewhat reassuring to see that there are some glimmers of hope, both national and uh, at European level. And looking at the European Parliament elections for this year, I can still anticipate that this informal grand coalition of pro-liberal democracy 
democracy forces still were going to hold their majority, even through with losses, according to the current polling. But when we look at the maybe also the bigger elephant in the room, which is the election in the United States on November 8th, everything is still open. It's a wild card in the end. We have uh, Donald Trump, who is, in my opinion, who has dominated this open contestation of liberal democracy from, from the inside of democratic countries since his first appearance on the campaign trail in 2015. We have seen where this can lead to, with, as I already mentioned before, the storming of Capitol Hill, but also, as you mentioned, Javi, with the refusal to acknowledge the election loss, breaches like those key principles of liberal democracy. And now he seems even more dangerous, with plans also circulating. If he would be re-elected, he wants to really fundamentally alter the character of the USA, which could threaten its very democracy. So I'm also here wondering uh, what meaning has this outcome of the election uh, for you guys? And what do you think are the consequences also for the EU with a potential uh, sec Trump presidency? Maybe let's start start first with you, Javi. Well, I think that Trump has demonstrated an unprecedented level of resilience. He has been able to turn imputations into decorations. So far, he has shown strong performance in the primaries in Iowa and in New Hampshire. And historically, whoever wins both primaries is the one that will have the ticket for the Republican Party. Furthermore, The upcoming presidential elections in November hold immensive disruptive potential for a world experiencing turbulent and unstable times. While Biden is consistently supporting Ukraine and he is determined to protect Taiwan if China were to attack it, and he has for example taken measures against climate change, etc., while Trump's policies are based on his America First doctrine, which can lead to reshape global dynamics by a withdrawal of multilateral commitments as he did in the past or through new trade wars, which could directly affect the EU and its citizens. Yeah, thank you for that. So Mata, what do you think about that? We must take into account that the United States are among the main powerful and influential countries. So this presidency would also affect the international system based on the primacy of political cooperation in multilateral institutions. And Trump previously tried to pursue unilateralism in trade policy, for example. So it would undermine the international system of liberal democracy. And the disruption of common vision and values and strategies between the European Union and the United States would also put at risk his liberal democratic leadership, uh, which is currently ongoing in the international order. Yeah, Marta, and also Javier, I couldn't agree more, especially on the point you mentioned uh, with the threatening also for the, the system we live in, the values we share, the democratic values, but also this uh, cooperation between countries, the multilateralism. Therefore, maybe we can also conclude that this election in 2024 can be also seen like one of these uh, really decisive points of collision between those two very different visions between liberal democracy and its autocratic contesters in the US. And due to the necessity of of a functioning U.S. democracy, as we already mentioned, as this dominant country in this international liberal order that we have in place since the Second World War. It's also very, very crucial, the outcome for what's going to happen afterwards. What we have seen in any case in 2020, Joe Biden was able to defeat him, Donald Trump, but if he manages to be re-elected, remains uh, completely open. Thank you both very much for your insightful views. Even though there would be so many more elections to come this year that we could talk about, we have reached, unfortunately, the end of this episode. Before we end, we would, as always, like to express a very special thanks to our two invitees, Marta and Javier, for joining us today to discuss this very interesting but also somewhat worrisome political development. I also want to thank you all for listening to one more episode of Talking With You, the student's point of view. Until next time. Thank you.
This podcast was sponsored by the Institut d'Etudes Européennes of the Université Libre de Bruxelles, which we thank for the opportunity of this space.